0: Hey, it's Patrick. If you haven't taken our survey yet, there's still one week left to do so. Just head to O2 and search for OHSU Week. We've also added the survey link to the post on Staff News under Show Notes. The survey closes on Sunday, January 20th. And as I mentioned before, you'll be entered into a drawing for a pair of Apple AirPods with pretty good odds. And thank you. Influenza, more commonly known as the flu, is a contagious respiratory illness. It spreads when people with the flu cough, sneeze, or talk, projecting tiny droplets of the virus up to six feet away. Due to the increasing number of confirmed flu cases in Oregon, area hospitals have announced their enhanced precaution season to help keep patients, visitors, and employees safe. It's Tuesday, January 15th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. Josh Anderson sat down with John Towns to discuss this year's flu season.
1: Thanks for joining me, John. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's
0: get started by
1: having you explain your role here at OHSU.
2: Well, I'm the uh, Interim Division Head for the Division of Infectious Diseases in the adult side of the hospital, and uh, also the Medical Director for Infection Prevention and Control.
1: Can you explain the difference to us between a cold and the flu?
2: Well, uh, uh, you know, those two Two terms are very nonspecific. <laughs> yes. And uh, so um, a, a cold is typically is refer, referring to a mild illness that usually affects the upper airway, like the nose and sinuses, um, typically not with much fever, uh, mild symptoms, and usually caused by a different set of viruses than what we're referring to as in, or flu or influenza. Um, flu, is a, also a kind of a non-specific term, but what we really mean when we're talking about flu is a specific virus called influenza, which typically is much more severe than the various viruses that cause a common cold. Sometimes flu can be mild, especially in school-age children who are otherwise healthy, but uh, often it's not, and it's the uh, people who are most vulnerable who are at greatest risk for for complications of influenza. So influenza causes hundreds of thousands of cases of respiratory illness and thousands of deaths, um, tens of thousands of deaths each year in the United States, and it's quite a severe illness.
1: Are there any telltale signs between influenza and a common cold?
2: Yeah, I think um, when a person has influenza, usually they know it uh, because they have uh, fairly sudden onset of feeling fatigued and general malaise, not feeling good at all, all over. Often muscle aches, headache. But the primary symptoms are cough, fever, and sore throat. So that combination of fever plus cough or sore throat plus generally feeling ill is typical of, of influenza. Again, in, in some people, it can be atypical the presentation might be slightly different uh, depending on um, what kind of uh, patient you're talking about. Elderly patients may have unusual presentations. People who have other immunocompromising conditions might present in atypical ways. And so clinicians have to be alert to that and, uh, and think of influenza this time of year when it's going around.
1: Can you talk about this year's flu season a little bit? Um, What kind of numbers have you seen?
2: In uh, the Portland metro area, the influenza, seasonal influenza, has been a little bit slower than in other parts of the state. It seems uh, that uh, just before Christmas, we started seeing a sharp increase in the number of cases in southern Oregon, um, and uh, only more recently are we seeing that increase in the Portland metro area. We do keep track of the number of um, flu tests that are run by area hospitals and the proportion that are positive. And throughout November and early December, those numbers were low, like 1% of tests were being positive. In the last um, week or so, we're up to 15% or more. So we're seeing quite a bit more influenza this week than We have in the previous weeks and we expect it to continue to go up. The number of cases this year is slightly lower than last year, but that we don't really know. Influenza is very difficult to predict. In the end, are we going to have a a low flu season or are we going to have a a typical flu season? But it seems to be a little bit later this year, at least, than last year. Whether the peak will be as high or, or much lower than last year, we don't know. So time will tell.
1: What do you think some of the factors are that could contribute to that?
2: It's really difficult to say. There there are strain variations from year to year. I don't know if you are aware that that each year we have to kind of make a guess as to what strains of influenza are going to be out there. And then early in the year, those strains are included in the vaccine. And, and whether or not there's a big flu year depends on how well we get people vaccinated for influenza, whether there's a large pool of people who are already immune to the circulating strains and uh, what strains are circulating at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have a, an idea what the, the strain that's circulating this year?
2: Yeah, in, in um, most of the country, uh, it seems that the predominant strain this year is the H1N1 strain that we saw in 2009 or one that's quite similar to that. In certain parts of the country, like in the southeast, it seems that H3N2 is more common, and they are actually seeing an earlier and more heavy uh, increase in influenza. So uh, whether that's because of vaccination rates there or what happened last year or the weather or uh, other factors that are unknown, it's hard to know. This strain is is one that we are fairly certain that the, the vaccine should be as effective as any influenza vaccine last year there were some questions about whether the vaccine was effective against the H3N2 because of some issues with how it's manufactured but the well, we think that the vaccine should be very effective against H1N1 strain that said you know the, the the vaccine is not perfect and so if you're vaccinated you can still get influenza but the overall numbers are Dramatically decreased when you have a population who's well immunized. And complications seem to be less, fewer hospitalizations in a in a population that's well vaccinated.
1: What's the best way to protect yourself from the flu?
2: Well, flu is or influenza is transmitted mostly by large respiratory droplets, meaning secretions from people coughing and sneezing and talking spitting the good news is that those respiratory droplets only travel about three to six feet and influenza doesn't linger for very long on inanimate objects and surfaces that doesn't say mean to say that it can't at all but the the vast majority of transmission is from these large respiratory droplets so if you know somebody who has influenza like somebody in your house, for example, if you can keep them sequestered and keep three to six feet away, preferably six feet away, the likelihood of that you're going to acquire influenza from that, that from them would be much less. Washing hands is important, obviously, because if you touch your your mouth and nose or eyes, you can pick up those respiratory droplets from another person and inoculate yourself. And you might also give it to someone else that way so hand hygiene is very important and the, the alcohol-based hand gels that you can get are very effective at destroying influenza virus so those are effective as well as
1: soap and water so I have the flu I've been sick for a few days I don't have any other issues uh, would you recommend over-the-counter medications um, chicken soup um, those kinds of things and kind of wait it out, just take care of yourself, isolate yourself if you can, is that the best best route to take?
2: Right, I think you know, stay at home, don't go to work, keep other people from getting the illness that you're suffering from, I think right. is great <laughs> advice. Uh, getting plenty of rest, I think if people are trying to push through uh, influenza, not only are they gonna get other people sick, but um, they're gonna put themselves at risk of complications. Rest is very important when you have influenza.
1: So John, can you describe the regional health system team that monitors influenza activity in the area?
2: Yes, well, we have a system of uh, county health departments in Oregon, as well as the state health department, and data flows from hospitals and clinics to county health departments and from there to the state health department. In the citywide area, Portland metro area, we felt that um, it would be of value for all of the hospitals in the region to be on the same page as well with what is happening in the community. And so we are partnering with the uh, county health department's Metro Health Authority and uh, a State Health Authority to pull together a conference call every week at the onset of influenza season to go over data, view what's happening, deal with problems, and also coordinate our response at different hospitals so that we have a coordinated approach and a a community response to to dealing with influenza.
1: So we have a certain threshold that we're looking for before we put in some precautions?
2: Right. So that's always the question. At what point do you start taking special precautions or start doing things differently to mitigate the problem of influenza? And there's no set cutoff value. Um, What we decided was that uh, when we get to a a level of about 10% of tests for influenza turning positive, we know that influenza season is in full swing. And that's when we collectively decided to sort of start doing special things like limiting visitors and things like that in hospitals.
1: What are some of the precautions that we put in place here at OHSU?
2: Certain units like the bone marrow transplant units and um, selected ICU settings we are uh, having visitors check in to screen and sign a log that testifies that they are not ill. Uh, they wear a sticker for each day and must sign in to the unit. And that goes for the staff as well. So on those units, they are going to screen the doctors and the nurses and everybody going into those units so that we don't have the problem of people visiting while they're sick or coming to work while they're sick. We also encourage all employees, all healthcare employees to be vaccinated for influenza. Everybody needs to be doing something there's very few people that can't be vaccinated. And if people can't be vaccinated or refuse to be vaccinated, we ask them to wear a mask when they're within six feet of a patient. So that if they happen to be harboring influenza or be an asymptomatic carrier of influenza, they won't transmit it, or at least we can reduce the, the likelihood of that. We use standard precautions for all patients, which means using a set of standard practices that limit transmission, such as using good hand hygiene with with each patient encounter, with each opportunity for contamination, uh, wearing a mask if you're close to someone who's coughing, cleaning off surfaces, and wearing a gown if if you're going to get contaminated product on you, like if someone's coughing and you're very close to them, we ask that the healthcare providers wear a face shield and a mask and a gown if they're gonna get coughed on, that's standard precautions. So Mm -hmm. we emphasize that uh, a lot uh, during flu season, re-encouraging hand hygiene and standard precautions practice. So the other thing we're doing in um, uh, selected units is restricting visitors under the age of 12. Part of the reason for that is that Children are more likely to carry influenza and have mild illness and not recognize it, as well as not be as careful about hand hygiene or respiratory etiquette covering their cough and so forth. And so to reduce the risk of transmission from uh, school-age children, we just say we're not going to allow them into um, certain high-risk units.
1: With these precautions in place, have have we seen evidence that this is helping, these precautions help?
2: We have been in the past with this, and we've seen very few hospital onset cases of influenza. So we'll see at the end of the season whether uh, or not we've been successful at limiting transmission in the hospital.
1: So comparing this year's influenza season to last year, for example, where it, it seemed like it was a, a fairly bad season, can you talk about the, the differences that we've seen so far in the past couple years?
2: I think last year the strain that was the predominant circulating strain was an H3N2. That designation is a, has to do with the types of antigens or proteins that are on the surface of the virus that 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 the immune system recognizes. The H3N2 strain tends to be a more virulent strain than the H1N1 strain. Perhaps that's part of it and uh, there may have been some issues with the vaccine production last year. So This year, at least around here, the predominant strain seems to be H1N1. It is interesting that uh, in 2009 uh, and 10, when we saw the uh, pandemic flu, we saw many more cases among young children. So that strain seemed to affect very young and middle-aged people less than the older age people who are typically affected most by influenza. And it remains to be seen whether we're going to see that again this year. But uh, certainly there have been uh, some cases of uh, hospitalizations, I think, in uh, younger adults and some pretty severe cases this year as well. So it's not to say that H1N1 can't be severe. It certainly can. But on a population basis, it may be expressed differently in how the epidemic proceeds.
1: So, John, there's a lot of information out there on influenza. Um, Where would you recommend people go to find credible sources for influenza information?
2: Well, I think the Centers for Disease Control website, cdc.gov, is a a great website. It's got a wealth of information. And then no matter what state you're on, if you click on the, the map, it should take you to your state health department. Website. So the Oregon State Health Department website is also very good, has a lot of great information. They produce a weekly update of all the flu cases, all the flu surveillance information, both uh, at CDC and at the State Health Department. So those are two great uh, information sources. There's also links there where you can find vaccine in your area information about how to protect yourself from influenza, how to protect others. Another uh, uh, site that's really great for clinicians is the Infectious Disease Society of America website, idsociety.org, I think it is, idsociety.org. And uh, they've recently published uh, clinical practice guidelines for uh, diagnosis management, chemoprophylaxis, and outbreak management in, in ins- institutions like nursing homes and hospitals. So that's a great document that uh, really goes into some detail on on who should be tested, who should be treated, and how they should be treated.
1: Well, John, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you very much.
0: OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced and edited by Josh Anderson. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.